happen. We're going to look at the contrast though this morning of sadness and then the opposite of that of joy. And when Jesus displayed joy in his life as well, and there's so many things that brought Jesus joy. Whenever uh, people, uh, whenever uh, those that uh, had rejected sin and turned to the Savior, the Word of God tells us there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. In fact, there's a, a, an angelic party uh, when people receive Christ as Savior. And there's a, a joy uh, when sinners are forgiven. And uh, Jesus sometimes was sad. We've looked at those, some of those times. And we're going to look a little bit more of that. But in Luke 19.41 it says, And when Jesus, when he drew near, he saw the city. The Word of God tells us that he wept over it. What makes Christ sad? What makes him uh, weep. What makes him... Yeah, so you start looking at this, this passage, and this is not our text. We're going to be getting into Luke chapter 15, but this is a few chapters later in, our, in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus came to set the prisoner free. He came to set the captive free from our, our bondage of sin. And he didn't come for the righteous. He came to, to uh, redeem sinners. And uh, he came to, to radically transform our lives. So what was it that made Jesus cry when he looked over the city of Jerusalem? And when he looked over, it wasn't the persecution. He, he wept over, over the fact that it, his people would not come home, would not come and allow him to, to comfort them and, and bring strength and healing in their time of need. And, and just as a mother would protect uh, her chicks as, as a mother hen would, Jesus longed to show comfort and love to us as his children. He longs to extend that, that compassion and, and the love and the, the feeling of, of, uh, of his presence and protection in our time of need. So what makes Jesus sad? He wants to love us. He wants to bring us joy. He wants to uh, love on his children. And there's nothing like the loving embrace. If you think about a, a mother or a grandmother, and, and for next, those of you that don't remember, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And if your mother is alive, make sure you let her know how much you love her and, and appreciate her. And, and if she's in heaven today, make sure you remember her testimony and her witness and influence in your life and pass that down to your children. And, and your grandchildren. But this morning as we think about what Jesus did, as followers of Jesus, how do we handle all the things that are happening in 2021? How do we handle the, the, the racial division, the political division, the, all of the, the COVID division? How do we handle all of those things and do so with a level head and with, and with joy in our hearts? As followers of Jesus, we talk about finding joy I could use some joy in my life. I could use some encouragement. I could use some a word from God to, to encourage us. And this morning as we look at the story in Luke chapter 15, we're looking at, this, at the story of a father with two sons. And if you've grown up in church, you know the story of the prodigal son. Here's a, a dad who has two boys and, you know, he's investing in them. He's pouring into their lives and, and, and wanting to see them turn out on the right path. And, you know, every parent has a desire to see their kids uh, really find their place in this world and, and do so in a good way. And they want them to see them have purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And it's not about getting rich. It's about finding a direction and something that you're passionate about. And, but ultimately, living for God, having a life that counts 
in light of eternity. And so here's a dad with these two sons. The, the older one uh, is living at home. He's working with his father. And the, and the younger one just decides one day, he says, I'm done with this life. I'm ready to venture out on my own. And I want everything that is coming my way. And so he basically looks at his father and says, I wish you were dead because I'd like to have your inheritance. I don't know about you, I can't even fathom operating, allowing your mind to go in that direction. But he's like, I just want everything that I would get. And, 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 and it, it, just as if you were, had already died. And you can imagine what was going through his father's uh, uh, mind. And, and he's, he's thinking about... He's too young. He, he doesn't understand the value of money. He doesn't understand the value of, of hard work. And, and so in this culture, it was very disrespectful in Jewish culture. But basically, he's telling the father, I wish you were dead. I'm ready for my inheritance. So let's look at our text in, in Luke chapter 15. He says, when he came to himself, verse 17, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but he says, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf. And because he, was, he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and treated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that, that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you've killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, this morning as we look at this picture of a wayward child that has, has left and brought the, the father great sadness and all of a sudden he comes to his senses and, and, and desires to come back home. And, and Lord, how the father rejoiced. And, and Lord, I believe it's a beautiful picture of each one of us as your children, those of us that know Christ as our Savior. And Lord, even those, Lord, this morning that don't know you as our Savior, Lord, that that would come home and, and, and come back to the Father and repent of our sin. God, the homecoming, the joy that it brings our Heavenly Father, Lord, as you rejoice over sinners coming home in repentance. God, maybe it, it's someone who's strayed uh, in their relationship with you over the last year, year and a half. Maybe it's someone who is, is far from God this morning and, and you will use this passage to draw them and convict them and show them their need to come back 
home to the Savior. God, I pray you would speak to hearts this morning. God, may we desire to bring you joy and not sadness. God, may as your children, we desire to please you in this life. And God, may our prayer actions would prove that. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in our midst this morning. Speak to hearts, those that do not know you as Lord and Savior. May you draw them to yourself this morning. We'll be careful to praise you. In your precious name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. When you think about the arrogance of this young son, the, the, the uh, rebellious attitude that he had, what was going on in his heart, in his heart that caused him to be so disrespectful to his father? It's interesting, the father gives him the inheritance. He knows that it's, it's not a good idea. He knows that what he's asking to him is a, is a, a crazy thing, but yet he gives in to, and, and the son leaves the house. What do you think happens when he gets half of his father's wealth or half of, his, of, of, of what he's earned over a lifetime? Sometimes we have kids that graduate from high school and, you know, they get married at a young age and suddenly they want everything that mom and dad have accumulated over a lifetime together of marriage maybe 20, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 years uh, of living together and, and, and working hard and providing for their family. And somehow we think we deserve all of those things up front. And folks, I think it's, it's good for our kids to experience hardship. It's good to experience trial. It's good to experience periods of, uh, of famine in our life because it causes us to depend fully on God. Whenever we look to God for every single thing, for, for food, for shelter, for provision, for health, for strength, and the journey of life, it causes us to depend on God, to get on our knees in prayer. And, and folks, don't try to take all that away from your kids. When they're in college, when they're in high school, allow them to see the areas sometimes that you struggle because they need to know that there's a God who cares. There's a God who cares about the struggles and the inner needs of our life. And when, folks, when we come clean before our kids and they see a, a dad who's dependent upon God, it, it points them back to God every single time they see a God who cares and provides for our needs. So here's a father who watches his son. He leaves the house. He's loaded. He's got all of this money. What's he do? The world is at his fingertips. He has it by the tail, so to speak. He goes out and he's partying and he ends up in that, that part of town. He goes to Vegas. He goes to New York and he's going to make something big of himself. And he never sees himself in the gutter with the, with the pigs. He never sees that part because you know what? The commercials don't show that. The commercials show you all the glitz, the glamour, the lights, the, the, the stars. It shows you all of those things. But the reality is he's facing sudden destruction. And so he's going out, he has all these f friends, and he's partying, he's doing all of these things. But what happens is eventually the money ran out. At that moment, the friends also ran out. And he finds himself on skid row, he finds himself hitting rock bottom, and he's looking upwards. He's saying, man... Maybe there's something to the life that I could have had. Maybe there was something to waiting for my turn, waiting for, for the opportunity that would one day come my way. So he looks, and the Bible says that, that there was a famine in the land. He was starving. He had no money, and, and his, all of his, his friends had left him. And he comes to a farmer and says, hey, can I get a job? 
And, and so he says, hey, can, he says, well, you can tend to these pigs right here. You can feed the pigs. And here's a man who was so hungry, Stephen. He, he was literally going, man, I think I could eat that. I, I think I could eat the slop that the pigs are eating. And I didn't grow up on a farm, but I've seen it before. And I'm telling you, I don't think I'd want to be eating that. I'd have to be really, really in desperate straits to find myself eating pig food. But here he is. He's thinking, man, if I could just eat what those pigs are eating, I would be satisfied. And all of the time, he's, he's desperate looking. He's, he's drifted so far. And folks, if you've ever put yourself in that person's shoes, the prodigal son, and sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom before we'll look up and realize that God all along had a purpose. He had a plan for our lives. He wants us to turn back to Him. He wants us to come home. He wants us to restore that relationship with Him. And all of the money, all of the prestige, all the fame could not buy happiness. It could not buy joy. Maybe you've been in a situation and you had your whole life planned out and then 2020 came and everything came crashing down. Maybe you had all of the, uh, uh, everything was planned out for your life and then 2020 came and your health crashed and burned and and you're sitting here trying to pick up the pieces and figure out how do I move forward? How do I go forward in this situation? Maybe you lost someone that you love dearly during this last year, year and a half and you're trying to remember what it was like back in those days before and all of the good times that you had and you're, you're experiencing sadness. All of this was going through this young man's mind and take it a step further. Maybe you've drifted in your relationship with God. Maybe during the season of being out of work or, or, or working from home or, you know, virtual school or virtual church, you've somehow drifted in your relationship with God and it's not where it was a year ago or a year and a half, two years ago. Maybe suddenly your prayer life has fallen by the wayside and and all of a sudden, you know, church attendance has, has, has waned. And you're like, you know what? I'll just watch online. Can I say, virtual church does not replace the real thing. If you're watching online, I'm not mad at anyone this morning. What I'm saying is, it should never replace the, the gathering of God's people uh, in person. Because there's something that happens on a face-to-face, Larry, where you can see someone face-to-face. You can worship. You can raise your hands. You can give. You can serve. You can grow together. Nothing replaces that. You cannot do that from your couch. You cannot do it from your car. You cannot do it from your bed this morning. It's not the same. And folks, what happens is, if we're not careful, we can drift in that relationship And we call it backsliding. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It means sometimes we drift from that fiery relationship with Jesus Christ that we once had. People that travel and they're in the military and and they're overseas for a deployment. They'll tell you it's some of the most difficult days in their marriage because they're not able to physically be there and love on their spouse or their their children. And and they're saying how difficult it's the same way in church life. It's important. We need each other. We need the, the relationships. Maybe you've drifted and 
all of a sudden you've gone from having a devotion day in and day out with God and then you've got all, all the streaks on, on you version and you've completed all your things and then sudden, you know what, I didn't really sign up for a new plan and before long, weeks turned into months, turned into years and I haven't been spending time in the Word of God like I should and, and one bad decision leads to another and before long we find ourselves eating the pig's food eating the slop of the pigs when you read Luke chapter 15 verse 17 it's a powerful moment because Jesus says when he came to himself in other words when he came to his senses he realized I got what I thought I wanted but I lost what I had I got what I thought hey I want to go out there and experience all these things and some of you are maybe in high school and you're chomping at the bell I, I can't wait to graduate and get out of my parents house and I have all of the answers of how to let me just say you have enough uh, you have enough uh, wisdom to get yourself in a ton of trouble and, and not enough reality to realize you have no clue what to do with that freedom you have no clue. Can I get a witness? Can anybody else? Uh, if all of us as, as parents could raise your hand this morning and say, hey, just hold on. Don't run too far from the coop because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a day you're going to be out there wishing you had the influence, the love, the safety, the protection of home. You're going to be wishing you had that close relationship with your family. So he, he realizes, oh my word, he came to himself came to his senses and he says how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I'm perishing over here in hunger the reality the light bulb came on my father's workers his hired workers servants are better fed are better nourished than I am I'm wasting away in a pig pen and folks, as a pastor, I often hear the story of people give up because they think they've made a mistake that's too big and there's no way that God could possibly forgive me. The decisions that they've made, if, if they could just go back, they would repair all of these problems. But folks, the story that Jesus is telling here in Luke 15, he paints a picture. He says, here's the boy finally came to his senses and he says, what if I go back home? Maybe, we'll forget being a son. Maybe he'll make me one of his hired servants. Maybe he'll let me sweep the floor. Maybe he'll let me wash the car. Maybe he'll let me, and you fill in the blank, maybe he'll let me do this work, be a cook. What if I go back home? And he rose, verse 20 says, and came to his father. I love the picture because... You can all see it. All of a sudden, he, he comes up out of that dirt in the mire of the, 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 the pig pen and says, it's time to go back home. And we see he takes one step towards the father. We see he's making that effort to get there. And one step, the boy decided, you know what? I need to go home. He takes one step and he starts heading back home. Verse 20 says he gets up and he goes towards the father. I love the, the picture. He says, while the son was still a long ways off, the father saw him and he was so moved with compassion, he starts running towards his son. And 
Uh, there was a, a Christian song years ago, and he says, he ran to me. And I love the, the picture of that, the father running to the son. And he grabs him, and he wraps his arms around him, and he's loving on him. And he's, he's so thankful his son is still alive. So thankful his son has returned home. He's thinking, you know what? I've messed up. There's no way my father could possibly accept me. He's got his apology speech all planned out. Dad, I, I screwed up, man. Dad, I, I don't think he even had to say it, Bobby. I don't think he ever had, even had to go there. <laughs> I think just as soon as he started to say, I'm sorry, his father was grabbing them with that big bear hug. And folks, there's nothing like the hug of a father, the love of a father putting his arms around his son. And as he took one step towards his father, I can hear, the, he says, Lord, I just want to be one of your servants. I don't expect you to take me back as your son. Let me be one of your fathers, one of your hired servants. The father sees him, he runs to him. Can I only imagine the smell? My son was playing football yesterday and he gets back in the car. It was sunny, it was, it was warm. Gets back in the car and Brian, the smell was, I mean, He's only 11, but I mean, it was rough, a little rough on the nose. And, you know, you know, I mean, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. They get in the car after gymnastics and you're like, I mean, just the smell in that gym. I mean, I'm like, the BO is so bad in there. I'm like, I walk in there and I'm like, thank God for this mask because otherwise, I mean, it would be unfiltered. I mean, it's just awful. And you go in there and you're like, you can imagine the, the, the father is hugging his son and he probably reeks. I mean, he's been sleeping in the pig pen. He's dirty. I'm sure his hair was all unkempt. I'm sure he had really gone a long way. Uh, and here's a man who grew up in wealth and, and had all of the, the, the things that money could buy. And folks, his father's not worried about it. He says, hey, bring a robe. Bring the sandals. Bring a ring. Uh, he's, he's clothing him. Restoring the relationship. The father said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to fix it. And it's a beautiful picture of when we come home to God, we don't have to clean every single thing up in order for God to receive us back as his child and, and love us. Folks, he opens his arms and he hugs us and he receives us back. I love the picture here. It brought joy to the father's So what was a sad father and having lost his son, now the story changes. And his father's thrilled and he says, it's time to have a party. Guess what? There was two sons. There's an older son who's out there working in the fields Tip, maybe he's managing all of the, the workers. He hears the party and he he's like, What's going on? We see, secondly, he says, Enjoy a relationship, not just the rules. Think about it for just a second. How many of us get into this relationship with God and folks, it's all about checking off the boxes? Well, I went to church this morning. I read my Bible this week. I, I've, I've done, I, I've given. I've done all of that. I've served. Uh, I should be good. But I mean, I, honestly, if I, if I meet the Lord, I mean, it's going to be like triple crown. I mean, I'm not talking about the, you know, the Kentucky Derby. I'm talking about the triple. I'm going to get the, the triple crown. I'm going to, I'm going to be, have all these crowns. I mean, it's just going to be hard to carry all the weight of all of the things that I have done. For, anybody ever feel that way? I mean, it's like checking off the boxes of all the things 
things that we've done with God. I, I'm totally making fun of it. But I'm just saying, sometimes we have that mentality. We should be, we should enjoy a relationship with Jesus, not just the rules. People like legalism sometimes because it's easier. If I just check my boxes, I don't have to worry about anything else. But Jesus didn't come to save you so you could check off some boxes. He saved you so that you might have a relationship with Almighty God. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he says, what's going on? He says, your brother has come. And your father's killed the fatted calf. calf and he's, he's so excited. He's, the one he thought was dead has now come back home. And he says, remember your brother, the one that we thought he was dead? Your dad's throwing a, a victory party, a coming, a homecoming party. He came home, and in verse 28, it says, the older brother became angry. He wouldn't even go in the house. He says, I don't want any part of that. He's such a reprobate. He's such a, a loser. And, and he, his father comes out and pleads with him. He says, you wonder if there was a sibling rivalry between the two. I mean, obviously, there was, a, there was some struggles there. And the older son, he says, I never left home. I didn't take everything and, and abuse it, and I didn't you know, take the money and run and, and waste it on, on crazy living. But his heart was far from home. His heart was so wrapped up in the good that he was doing that he failed to have a relationship with his father. He one son was physically distancing himself from the father. But look at the other one. The second son was emotionally distancing himself from the father. See, it's easy to find, it's easy to go and look at one brother and, and see how bad he was. But folks, if, if we're vulnerable for just a moment this morning, if we can just be real with ourselves, sometimes we're exactly where the older brother is. We'll look around and say, man, I'm not near as bad as they are. I'm not near as, as terrible as the person across the aisle. If you knew what she's done, I mean, I could write some... I could write a blog on that. I mean, I, if you could just only have known what he's done or she's done, or I'm telling you, and we compare ourselves to everyone else, the reality is this morning is Jesus Christ wants us to come clean. He wants us to be right with God. He wants us to have a right relationship and desire that relationship. This morning, if you're just checking things off the list, you're missing the entire point of what it means to know Jesus. You're missing the entire point of a relationship. The father, he had a rebellious son that he loved. He also had a rule-following son, and he loved them both. The father is saying, My, your brother, who was once lost, we thought was dead, has come back home. Verse 31, it says, son, you're always with me. Everything that I have is yours. Sometimes, in this relationship game, we forget our worth. We forget our value in Jesus Christ. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, folks. The wealth of every land is owned by our Father. So some of you that are still searching for that rich uncle, oh, we've all looked for them, but yeah, not many of us have found them. But the reality is that we, we're searching for Jesus owns everything. He says, if you'll just trust me, it's not about what you can get out of it. It's about the relationship 
that Jesus is desiring to have with us. Instead of just trusting in the rules, he wants us to have a real relationship. Here's the father who loved the rebellious son. He loved the rule-following son. And he says in verse 31, he says, Son, you're always with me. All that you have, all that I have is yours. But the older son is complaining, Well, Dad, you never threw a party for me. You never killed the fatted calf for me. You never did. He says, Everything that I have is yours. I think so many times people view following Jesus as a set of rules that we have to abide by. But folks, in doing so, we miss the entire point. I don't want us to end up just checking off boxes like the older brother. Folks, when all you've done is checked off boxes, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What you have is religion. What you have is orthodoxy. What you have is, is cold and, and dead and, and, and does not bring joy in this life. But what happens is when we have a real relationship, a true relationship with Him, we can experience true joy this morning. So some of you that are, are, are bound by sadness and you're trying to figure out meaning and purpose going forward, what you need more than anything else is a real relationship with Jesus Christ. He's desiring to radically transform your heart and your life. And if you'll come to him, if you'll come home and, and confess your sin, the word of God says he's faithful, he's just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. I love that. I love the picture. And, and, and have that relationship with God. Don't just check off the boxes. The picture that Jesus is sharing, he's giving us the keys. He's giving us a solution. You want joy in this life? Experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. He will radically transform us. He will save us. He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. He puts us in a right relationship. That restoration is made with Christ. But also we can have joy by bringing others along on the journey. I wish for just a moment... You could see the, the big picture of what's happening here. Because as there's a party going on at the family compound at the house, he's trying to bring the older brother inside and says, you need to come and experience what's happening here. See the big picture. God has brought your brother back home. And I wish people could see it. Sometimes we get so caught up in our circumstances that we miss what God is doing right in front of our faces. You see what happens is we can easily look around and see all the things we've lost in 2020. But folks, what about all the things that God is doing in 2021? What about the lives that are being restored? What about the healing? What about the, the, the relationships that are being restored? There's a time of celebration. There's a time of experiencing God. Invite other people to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I love that last verse. He says, it's fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So pastor, what's the application? I wonder, especially in this season, there might be a few people here today or that are watching online that you're feeling isolated. You're, you're overwhelmed with sadness and, and it's, it's overwhelming because you're doing life alone. You're doing life apart from God. You don't have anything to celebrate. You don't have any joy. You don't have anything that's motivating you. And can I say, 
I want to invite you to come to church, come back to church, experience a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Come home. God's doing some incredible things here at Calvary. In fact, just over the last several weeks during this series and on Easter, we've seen a number of people place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I think that is like something to celebrate. I think this is a point of of excitement. This morning when we uh, finish this service, we're going to go right next door and we have our, our next starting point class. We have 21 people that are registered for starting point today in the in a pandemic, all right? Can we just say, we're coming out of this and God is doing a new thing. He's doing a mighty work in his church and lives are being restored. People are coming home. Lives are being transformed by the power of of Jesus Christ. We have baptisms lined up for later in, in two weeks, two weeks from today, with people that are going to take their next step in the relationship with Jesus, and they're going to be baptized. That's a point of, of celebration and celebrating what God is doing in our midst during this series of emotion, called Emotions. We've seen people give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, come to Jesus Come to faith in Christ this morning. If you're wondering, Pastor, I don't know why you're so excited. The Word of God tells us, tells us that heaven is rejoicing over those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you, don't stay bound by sadness, by loss, by that feeling of, of loneliness or, or, or overwhelmed by your past and your, your sin and all of those things. Jesus Christ is offering you new life. He's offering you abundant life. He says you don't have to keep living in the past and and bound by your past. I want to invite you to be a part of the amazing move of God. The truth is no matter where you live this morning, you're home when you come to Calvary. If you're tuning in online, we have people that watch from New York, people that are watching from different places around the, the country this morning. When you're here and you're tuning in, you're home. When you come to church here, you're home, you're welcome, and we're inviting people to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's life groups that you could benefit from to to build some relationships with. You could get involved in serving. We've talked about various uh, places around the the church that you can serve and, and grow, and there's joy in serving Jesus this morning, you could, there's children's and student ministries, places that you can belong, places that you can grow and, and build life-meaning relationships with. Folks, we do not have to live this life alone. We can experience joy in Jesus. So why miss out? Come just as you are. In fact, this morning, if you're physically distancing yourself from God, let me encourage you to take one step back to the Father this morning. Pastor David, I'm feeling overwhelmed by what's happening in the last year and what's happening around our world. Folks, can I just say, break, take one step toward Jesus Christ and he will receive you with open arms. No questions asked. Confess your sins and the word of God says he will forgive us. Folks, remind yourself this morning, it's not about the rules. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And those of you that know Christ as your Savior, why not invite someone else to join you 
on that journey of faith. Say, I want you to, I want you to come to church with me. I want you to experience the joy. And what happens is when we meet people in this day and age, and people are like discouraged and they're weighed down by the cares of this life, don't just say, well, you know what? It'll get better. You have the answer. You have the truth that can transform their lives. Say, let me tell you, because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life, I'm not left without joy. And I'm not filled with sadness. And my life is not overwhelmed because I know that Jesus has a purpose and a plan that he's accomplishing in my life. And folks, go on. Experiencing the joy of your salvation. David prays in Psalm 51, and it's after he's confessed his sin. He says, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. And some of you this morning, maybe you need to just pray that prayer. Say, God, restore my joy. I want to experience the forgiveness. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we have a time of confession. That time of confession is to get anything wrong that's in our life right with God, and then we can experience His joy, that right relationship. Let me encourage you this morning, if that's where you are, confess it. Get it right. If there's someone you need to forgive, if there's someone you need to ask forgiveness of, get it off your plate this morning and leave this morning experiencing the joy of your salvation. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, I would, I know that there are people that are in the building this morning, people that are watching online, that they're overwhelmed with sadness today. God, they're experiencing that emotion. But God, you don't want us to live in that place. It's okay to, to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. God, I pray that this morning they would come and Lord, those that do not know you as Lord and Savior would come and for once and for all get their salvation settled. They'll take one step towards Christ. Your word tells us that you'll receive us. You'll forgive us. And you'll cleanse us. And you'll make us just as if we have never sinned. God, I pray you would do that this morning in the hearts and lives of each one that's here. Lord, those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that they would come and allow someone to take the Word of God and show them with confidence how they can begin a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those Christians, Lord, that maybe have drifted over the last year or maybe the, over the last several years. Lord, I pray that they would come back home and God, they would confess that sin and Lord, their, the joy of their salvation would be restored this morning. And Lord, just as you took the this young man who had, had run away from home and, and, and disgraced the family name, Lord, the father received him back in and loved him and the relationship was restored. Lord, I pray for those that have that have somehow strayed over the last several months. God, I pray that they would come back home this morning and receive forgiveness and healing and cleansing. God, I pray that we'd be faithful to share the good news of the gospel, be living that out in our daily lives. And Lord, that those that we come in contact with, we'd invite them to join us on this journey. That they too could experience joy and peace, contentment, comfort and strength through whatever season of life they may be experiencing right now, they can experience the joy of the Lord in their life personally. God, I pray you'd move in our hearts. May you do a mighty work this morning. Let's all stand to our feet.